Hello and welcome to the Perfect Gentleman podcast. This is episode 69. I am Zach Faulkner-Barfield, 1PG, and alongside me is the delectable, the delightful, the charming and the generous Mr. James Marwood. How are you, sir? I'm very good, my friend. Very good indeed. Had a great week. How about yourself? I'm good. I'm tip-top. Fantastic. Enjoying the April sunshine and feeling springy. Excellent. Yes, it makes that journey to work and getting up early and getting on the train, going into London, that little bit easier. There's blossom trees all around the part of London I'm in, which are beautiful. There's flowers blooming. Everyone's a bit more smiley and a bit happier. Yeah, I'm, I'm enjoying it. And we're rushing towards Easter, which, of course, is chocolate and weight gain, <laughs> but hey-ho. Yes, I'm not doing hugely well on that score. I've still got a bit of my winter weight, shall we say, but it's coming off slowly. Well, I'm back on my uh, track, uh, fitness track as well, so I'm enjoying uh, getting out early in the mornings and using the light to, to do some exercise in the wilds of London. <laughs> Excellent. So, Zach, which, which episode is this today? You're just doing this to make me say it again, aren't you? I am, yes. This is episode 69. Episode 69, dude, which ties in wonderfully to some great news, which is that there's a new Bill and Ted's movie being announced. No, really? There is, yes. It's a long time since the last ones. I remember going to see the the second one, Bogus Journey, at the cinema with my mum, of all people. Wow. I think I was still at college then, so a very long time ago. But yes, there's going to be a new one, which is great, because I I enjoyed those. They're silly and they're anarchic and they're full of terrible jokes that I find hilarious. I mean, they're kind of classy as well. I mean, they're very silly, but it's not the silly humour and I find of something like Dumb and Dumber, which is not one of my favourite things. It's not laughing at people so much as laughing with them. Yes. I think that's the difference. There's a definite lack of cruelty to the humour, which I really like. It's partly how that Keanu Reeves is generally an all-round nice guy. A lot of comedy is a bit mean-spirited and a bit nasty. That I tend not to enjoy so much. Something like Bill and Ted's, where it's just two guys having a great time and being really, really silly. I really enjoy. It is rollicking good fun. And talking of the young Mr. Keanu Reeves, who's not so young, but he looks like he's young always, soon to come out the third John Wick movie, which I'm a big fan of. Oh, so good. I really enjoyed the first two. Again, they're a bit silly and over the top, but they're so stylish. The whole look and feel, it's like a comic book in movie form in a way that a lot of comic book movies try for and don't get. I think they're great. Unfortunately, I have to watch them on my own because the Duchess doesn't like anything too violent. No, they are pretty phenomenal. And as you say, stylistically beautiful. The suits, the look, the whole feel about it. um, As you say, a tad violent um, and a tad over the top. But the whole look and feel is just so beautiful. In the second one where he's at his tailors and he's buying his guns at the same time. Who wouldn't love that? Exactly. Any movie where you're picking your suit as a tailor, I'm enjoying it. What else has caught your eye, sir, on the news front? There's quite a few people talking about etiquette, a lot of other people who do that. And there was something that I saw that was a little bit strange, but a Turkish etiquette course okay. advising ladies not to lick ice cream. Right. <laughs> Their overall advice is a little bit odd, should we say, will be charitable, and just say it's a little bit uh, avant-garde, perhaps, but it includes things on how to dress, walk, and speak, which apparently is as little as possible, not using too much makeup, don't use slang words and refrain from saying bro. Okay. Refrain from saying bro is pretty good advice. Yes, I think generally. But then don't lick ice cream, which I presume you means you're supposed to bite it? Well, that's the only other way to do it, isn't it? Yes, but... 
Ice cream is for licking, isn't it? Well, yeah, especially if you've got a cone. I don't know how you... I, biting ice cream without teeth and the cold. And no, 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 yeah, licking is much better. And, and then it's very weird etiquette advice. It is. And rather, rather a bit sexist, which we're not a fan of. But it's just, yes, a little bit odd. You eat your ice cream however you like, but I'm going to continue to lick mine, especially with a cone. I mean, I, I love ice cream, and especially in the summer. And getting towards this time of year, something like rum and raisin in a cone fantastic looking at it's all part of the fun and if a lady wants to do that more power to her very weird etiquette advice i don't think that's culturally etiquette either really is it i mean it's not a cultural etiquette thing it's probably there's somebody with a slightly overactive imagination who gets hot and bothered by seeing ladies lick things and then decides that as a result they shouldn't but it is just a bit a bit odd i would pay that bit no mind agree with them on saying bro agree with them on being circumspect with your speech on public transport but ice cream nah Nah. What else is in the news, Zach? What else has caught your eye? Liam Gallagher's fashion label, Pretty Green, is on the brink of collapse, which is a big shame. I'm, you know, not so worried about that in one sense. Well, I'm sorry for him that his label's going out and the people that work there. But more I'm just interested in thinking about celebrities and celebrity clothing brands, which is kind of one of the extensions of celebrity we see quite a bit now. Not always does it work, and not always is the person that does it the correct person to do it if you get my drift there's the successful ones but then there's the ones who are not so successful or push it very hard and i'm not sure what your thoughts are about it but I, i'm not sure whether all well i'm not sure whether celebrities should be making their own fashion labels necessarily i think there are some guys i mean that liam gallagher has a really strong style yes i've got a few things from pretty green some of which i i really like generally a bit more casual and it builds on that sort of slightly reinvented mod style that oasis were famous for and Liam Gallagher was great at. I've got a couple of polo shirts, a couple of T-shirts, that sort of thing from there, which I tend to wear for casual events. I think they were really good at that kind of thing. There was a little bit, well, in the way that a lot of fashion houses do, of taking a particular style idea and riffing on it, compare that with, say, someone like Ralph Lauren, who's taken that combination of American trad and preppy style plus uh, sort of western wear and riffed on that successfully for a whole career and done fantastically at it i mean ralph lauren clothing is generally if we ignore some of the sillier things around polo it's generally really really good i think that mod style that pretty green were doing is a bit harder maybe to, to riff on it has a little bit less universal appeal which is a shame and i think what they have done perhaps which is something i see some of the more fashion forward fashiony ends of the market do is instead of focusing on things like design and quality, the real basics, they start to use a lot more branding. And effectively, they're selling the brand of their clothing and they're selling the badge and the logo, which is great for a while, but there's longer term, I think there's less appeal for that. And generally, I think we're becoming slightly savvier consumers in that we're not really buying into that quite so much. What do you think, sir? I think you're right. I mean, I, I don't know Pretty Green. I've not bought anything from them. It's that interesting thing of celebrities doing fashion who have a, a background in it or understand it, I get. But I think, as you say, just putting your name to something that adds to the another fashion pile just because you can doesn't really sit well with me. Some people, fashion-wise, have very strong fashion identities. The Gallagher's are one. There's several others that you know, have strong fashion identities. 
and some of them partner up with other brands, which I think is more appropriate. They'll do a, a series of clothing with other brands, which means that the design is not under their remit. I think a great example of that is a guy we've talked about quite a lot. You know, we're a fan of his at PG, which is David Beckham. And he did stuff with H&M. It's great because it's cool. It's H&M, so it's really affordable. But it's things like jeans, jackets, undies, T-shirts, basic stuff that people are going to buy quite often. But it's all just a little bit cooler and a little bit better than some of the rest. It's Beckham's style put through H&M's expertise and they come out with a product which sells well i'm at debate about it i think there's lots of fashion people will do it over you know not style what we talk about all the time rather than fashion we're not fashion podcast we're a style podcast effectively music stars especially of the rap variety sort of have fashion labels attached to them. that's an interesting thing but that's very fashion and very time limited whereas style clothing i don't know we'll see we'll see we'll see what happens next i mean there are some good examples just at timberlake has a label called william rast he partners with trace ayala and they make really good quality high-end denim and things like that but what i like about those is that, you know it's, it's all quite fitted and tight. so it's, it's designed for people with that sort of body style but it's really good but it's quality it's very expensive but it is really really good quality and then you have some really weird and wonderful ones people who have who you really wouldn't expect so christian cristiano ronaldo who we've talked about he has his own line of jeans Zlatan Ibramovich also has a menswear collection. It's really quite strange who gets involved with these and people you wouldn't necessarily think of it. John Markovich, even. If you've got someone who really knows what they're doing, great. If it's just cashing in with a bit of a celeb label and hopefully selling a logo and that sort of thing, then it's probably not going to last. No, I agree. If you have any gentlemanly news for us, please feel free to drop us a line at inquiries at theperfectgentleman.tv or contact us on social media. That's Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. Just Google us and we'll find us. James, shall I compare thee to a summer's day? Thou art more lovely and more temperate. Rough winds do shake the darling buds of May and summer's leaf hath all too short a date. <laughs> what, I, what we're talking about today, ladies and gentlemen, is poetry. Romantically, poets. The poets, the poet in us. It, it's interesting. I find we do not read, consume, or deal with enough poetry, I think, in our modern world. I, th- I think that's right. I enjoy poetry. I'm not especially skilled at it or knowledgeable about it, but I do write a little every now and then. I enjoy reading it. And there's really no better way to express yourself sometimes than through through poetry. Absolutely. And it's interesting that we talk about the romantic gentleman and what the romantic gentleman is. And if you go back through time, when you were um, the code of chivalry, and the, which morphed into the courtly love, you were expected to write poetry. One of the tasks you had to do as a knight was find someone to woo and, and write poetry for them. Now, I can imagine some poems being a little crass and crude, the artistry of poetry is really beautiful. There's a number of books out there which you can learn to write it. My favourite is Stephen Fry, the great legendary Stephen Fry, wrote a a great book, The Ode Less Travelled. He did a really interesting thing with, I think it was University of Warwick. There are some really good YouTube videos of Stephen Fry, and you'll know they're the ones because he's wearing a cream suit with a brightly striped shirt. But he talks about the history of poetry, the enjoyment of it, the way he values poetry for his mental health, which I think is great. But look those up as well. We are going to talk about mental health in a minute and positive mental attitudes. But I think poetry is one of those great things which is emotion in words. More than anything else, 
songs are feelings, but poetry is emotion in words. It really is about expressing yourself. It's about dealing with emotions through as many or as few words as you would like and with rhythm and beat, but no music. And I think that's really beautiful. And it's a great way to express yourself. It's a great way to learn how to communicate. And it's also a great way to delve into your language. Especially if you, know, you value being able to communicate. And I think all of us do, whether it's something you need to do professionally or personally. And for almost everybody, I can think that's that's probably both. The mental exercise that's required to both write and really understand poetry, I think is very good at improving the way that you're able to communicate with people. If you could really get good at thinking about the way that the written word or speech has rhythm and how it flows you can improve that through poetry and through studying it, and you can get much, much better at writing prose, for example. We should write more poetry. I think we should write better, and the level of engagement that you get with poetry is so lovely too. Writing it for someone, maybe, is a great way to start, or just writing your feelings down in, in poetry form. Yes, indeed. We should certainly look at more poetry, maybe do some reviews of poetry. That would be good. I don't know a lot about modern poetry, and that would be something I'd like to learn more about. So if someone could point me towards something on that, that would be great. Drop us some notes on modern poetry that we can have a look at. So our last sort of section today, moving on from that, is about the gentleman's mindset. Again, we're doing a lot of gentleman's mindset this month on The Perfect Gentleman, and about positive mental attitude. I am a big fan of having a healthy, positive mental attitude. And what I mean by that is we've talked about stoicism before on the Perfect Gentleman podcast. And it's that kind of thing of stoicism and being positive about yourself. I think that's the key thing. Positive mental attitude is incredibly important. What do you think, James? Absolutely. Your ability to manage and improve your own mental state through things like self-talk, is really important. You know, that's the basis of a lot of therapy, at least of my experience of it. And it's something I do an awful lot. And I've got some techniques I use to try and improve my self-image and communicate to myself in a better way. You do this so well, Zach. What's your tactics? How do you approach this? And thank you very much. I think what I do is I'm always a big fan of language. So how we talk about ourselves and the words we use to talk about ourselves are incredibly important. Simply put, rather than saying I can't you say i can or i choose not to or i won't it's about a choice rather than other things saying i can't do it is, is limiting your abilities how you talk about yourself you know if you say i'm too fat i'm too thin i'm too stupid i can't do this these are limitations to yourself use the words that you describe yourself with in a positive manner always right from the start. So how we talk about ourselves affects our mental health. That's point number one. Point number two is the ability to take time out, to stop and think and not let things affect you. So I'm a big fan of if you're stressed or you're trying to make a tough decision or someone's putting pressure on you to pause, go away, take a few good breaths, maybe take six or seven breaths, just relax, take some time, have that moment of clarity before you step back into whatever decision you have to make or be engaging with that person. The ability to just stop and take time is incredibly important. It's that ability to find a little moment of quiet 
in amongst the stress that allows you to really make a good decision or to think about what it is you actually want to have as the outcome from a situation, that's really important. It's one of the lessons that you learn, I think, through things like sports or through, for me, through martial arts, but very similar in terms of things like football or rugby, if you've ever played those. I think one of the things that I learned, and it was something that a friend of mine turned me on to, a guy called Paul Sharp, who's quite a famous American martial arts and shooting and sort of self-defense instructor talked about is to think like bob the builder do you remember bob the builder a little uh, later than my childhood tv memories but bob the builder the great children's tv here in the uk i think he was speaking in the us as well but his catchphrase was can we fix it to which everybody else responds yes we can and that's the way that i try to do a lot of my self-talk so rather than saying i will do this you know, sometimes my brain will try to sabotage me and say, you can't do this, you're too stupid, you're too slow, you're too fat, whatever. And instead, I will turn that to say, will I do this? Can I do this? And then answer, yes, I can. And that works really, really well. It's a particular approach that has been proven to work. So there was some research done by Sene and Albasarin, who were two researchers at the University of Illinois, and a guy called Kenji Noguchi at Southern Mississippi where they experimented with two groups of people using affirmative self-talk, I will do this, or using interrogative self-talk, will you do this? Yes, I will. That worked really, really well. The second group, the interrogative self-talk group, solved half as many more puzzles than the I will group. I've experimented with this personally, and that interrogative self-talk, that can I fix it? Yes, I can works really, really well. You can build on that by saying, well, I've fixed similar problems in the past. I've done this and I've done that. I've dealt with these things before and I've succeeded. You know, I might not have dealt with this particular thing, but everything else like this, I've been able to survive and I've been able to do. And that makes a big difference. And then I would add to that, which is sort of, that goes against it a little bit, but the ability just to say no. If somebody puts pressure on you to do something, if you are put in a situation where you have to go out or something like that, sometimes people get put into these cycles of having to do stuff. The ability to learn to just say, no, I'm not going out. No, I'm not doing that. No, I don't want to partake in that thing, whatever it is. One of the best pieces of advice I was ever given is that no is a complete sentence. Yes, it's true. You don't need to justify it. An old ex-girlfriend of mine used to be very good at this, not at saying no as such, but she would just say, I choose not to do that. Yeah, unless they're incredibly important to us, in which we need to explain ourselves and give reasons for it. Uh, but generally, most people are in their own world and they're doing their own stuff. And if you say, no, I can't make it or no, I go, can't do it or I choose not to do that, they're going to go, OK, and move on. Indeed. And even if you know people do ask, simply, I don't want to. I don't care to. I choose not to. That's enough of a reason. I struggle, and it's something I had to learn in my personal life, in my professional life. I don't like to say no. I've struggled to say no. So I end up taking on too much, overextending myself, or not being able to fulfill everything. And then you end up with commitments that you've got to really struggle to meet, which is very stressful. Simply by saying no, a lot of that stress you block out of your life and it goes away. There's a lot of value in being helpful. It's a good thing to be, but you have to do it at your own pace and at a level that is sustainable. I agree. 
there we go. I think uh, that wraps up our Perfect Gentleman podcast nicely. This is episode uh, 69. I've just got to say it once more time, <laughs> just for a bit of laughter. I have been Zach Falkner Barfield. Alongside me, as always, is James Marwood. Uh, thank you very much for listening to us today. We'll be back next week with another dose of gentlemanliness for you. Please stay in touch. And in the meantime, enjoy yourself. Indeed. Have a fantastic week, Zach. I'll talk to you next week. Bye bye. This podcast is brought to you by the Perfect Gentleman Group Limited and was edited by Andy Nichol at the Pistachio Palace.